0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 400 of the Hold Up, Hold Up 400 episodes. Man, that's Jesus loves you so much. That means I've sat in front of this mic 400 times. Wow, wow, <laughs> that's crazy. We're gonna get back to that a little bit later. But welcome to episode 400 of the Impopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend. Jalen Hunter, and here at the Unpopular Podcast, not only ask you to agree with me, i ask you to hear me out. In life, when you are walking into a new transition in life, when you're walking into a new version of yourself, a new version of this thing that we call life, it's imperative that you make the right decisions early so that it benefits you not only in the present, but in the future It's so vital because the decisions that you make today drastically have an impact on not just today, but in the future. And the last thing you want to do is have situations that happen today completely ruin your future you see you can't do anything about the past right now all you can do is make moves for the present and hopefully the present has a positive effect on the future and the beautiful thing about sports is sports is kind of a mirror to life in that sense when sports teams organizations programs are going into new regimes whether that's a new GM, whether that's a new owner, whether that's a new a relocation for a team. It is imperative that you make the right moves early so that you can see long-term success from those moves. That doesn't mean that those moves are going to last long, but if they are smart moves, the... It can have a trickle-down effect that is, that is positive. People forget the history of the Washington commanders at this point. They were the football team. They were the Redskins. People forget the rich history that Washington has when we talk about NFL and football. I know that it's hard when you look at the current situation and what we've seen in recent history, but Washington used to be a marquee franchise. Washington used to be one of the most feared franchises in football. They had a history of dominance. They had a history of, they had a rich culture, let's say that. But like I just said, decisions in the present can have a drastic impact on the future, whether good or bad. When Washington got new ownership, when Washington had new GMs and some of the current situations or current decisions that they made drastically impacted the the next 10, 15 years from the franchise, So when you look up, people that are born in the 2000s or people that are born in the 2010s only look at that Washington team and think, oh, there's no way that this team had a rich history, which is false. But there's no resemblance of that rich history because of the decisions that were made as soon as the new regime came in. Well, Washington's at a point now where They have a new owner, you know, got out Dan Snyder, have a new owner. And the decisions that they make right now are imperative. This is the the Washington is in such a fragile state right now, but not not in a bad way. I'll say you have a new owner. You have going into next season, you have some of the most cap space so you can make free agent moves, you can make. Trades with that cap space, and you have the number two overall pick. It is very rare that a team with this much cap space and this much, let's say, hope for next season has the number two overall pick and a quarterback-rich draft because we know the importance of a quarterback to a football team, especially a football team that is very... weak at that area, let's say. I started that off, I started this episode off with that because Washington hired Dan Campbell as their new head coach. And when you hear, see, I know I feel how I feel. Let me first say that. Let me first get that out the way before we continue. I have no I'm not wishwashing how I feel about this. And I'll explain obviously in a second why I feel what I feel. I understand why Washington was the last team to hire a coach. There was about six or seven openings, and Washington was the last team. I understand why. You know, some of their candidates that they hoped to have gotten was playing in the playoffs and deep into the playoffs, and a lot of other really, really good candidates were were snatched up by other teams very early in the in the find a coach process. Let's say. So I get why it took Washington so long. I mean, you were trying to get Ben Johnson from the Lions. He decided to stay. You were trying to get McDonald, uh, the defensive coordinator, or the former now defensive coordinator for Wa- for the Baltimore Ravens, who were playing both the Lions and the Baltimore Ravens, were playing in the uh, divisional or conference championships. Both of them unfortunately lost. McDonald went to the Seahawks, which is crazy because – my McDonald's wife used to be a former uh, Washington cheerleader. I think she was born in Washington. Like it felt like they wanted to stay in Baltimore. I mean, in Wash, in the Washington Maryland area. But I digress. So you go, so you go with Dan Campbell? Oh, not Dan Campbell. I'm sorry. You go with uh, Dan Quinn. Let me first say that Dan Quinn is not a bad coach. I hear a lot of people upset with this move, and I am not the happiest with this move. I'm not going to lie, but Dan Quinn is not a bad coach. Dan Quinn, we know, I mean, any single time you talk about Dan Quinn, you either talk about one or two things. You talk about his... his Impact on the Legion of Boom, obviously, which is one of the best defensive groups in NFL history. For the Seattle Seahawks, they went to two Super Bowls, 1-1. Or they talk about 28-3. He was the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons that had Matt Ryan, who was the MVP that year. They went to the Super Bowl, played the New England Patriots, and Tom Brady had a 28-3 lead, essentially blew the lead and lost the Super Bowl. Dan Quinn has proven to be a good coach. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say that Dan Quinn is a bad coach. So in that sense, I am happy that Washington got a proven coach. I'll say that. Also, I do want to preface this by saying that it's very hard for me to not talk in a biased way, seeing as though I'm from the DMV area, born and raised in the DMV area. I mean, I was pretty much raised about 15 minutes from FedEx field. So I I I'm a Washington fan because of that. Yes. So it is very hard for me to not put my biases in this conversation. So like I was saying, I'm not I'm I'm glad that Washington got a coach that has been proven. Not only has been proven to be a okay a pretty good coach, but has been proven to because of the Legion of Boom have a unique approach on of course the defense. He was just Dallas Dallas's defensive coordinator. Even though the last time we saw Dallas, it wasn't the best of looks, but Dallas's defense is one of the best defenses every, every year that Dan Quinn was the defensive coordinator. So in that sense, I'm happy. In that sense, let me not say happy. In that sense, I'm okay with the decisions that was made, you know? But in life, it's not that simple. You know, I understand, I understand that like you have to make decisions. That's just, it has to be that way. And I understand that once a decision is made, you have to live with the consequences. Some consequences are good. Some consequences are bad. But the reason why I, I can't speak for everyone out there and I can't speak for everyone that's listening, but the reason why I am not the happiest with this decision, I'm happy. Let me say that. I'm happy that we got a competent coach. (laughs) I'm happy that people, if you've listened to this podcast, you understand my thoughts about Ron Rivera's coaching style. So I do think that, in a sense, sort of, Dan Quinn has the opportunity to be better than Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera, who really didn't do much for the organization, in my opinion. And that's no shade to Ron Rivera, but... I'm just calling a spade a spade. But when you make, and it goes back to my original point when you make decisions, especially when you're going into a new regime, it's important that you have all the facts and it's important that you make the right decision. Now, obviously, we can't tell to the future. You know, obviously, we don't know. If this is going to be the right decision or not, but what I can tell you and what we can see is the choices, the choices that are in the present. And that is my biggest issue with Dan Campbell. I'm sorry, with Dan Quinn. I apologize. That's my biggest issue with Dan Quinn getting the job as the Washington head coach because of the choices that were available and that are currently still available. I understand Dan, Dan Campbell's extensive defensive history. And I also understand that Washington has struggled defensively, even with the names that they've had, even with the names that they currently have. I understand that the defense has been a spot of issue for this team. And I understand that you want a person to come in that can be a leader of men, because it seems like that is what Washington has been missing, one of many things, has been missing for the past few years under Ron Rivera. And also, Ron Rivera is supposed to be a defensive guy, but the defense has been trending down every single year he was the head coach. I'm not trying to throw Ron Rivera under the bus or anything, I'm just telling you the truth. But when you look at the coaching, I understand that Washington was late in getting a coach. Again, they were the last team to announce a coach that obviously needed a coach this offseason. But the reason why I'm set up I'm upset with the Dan Quinn hiring is because of who was available and who still is. Look, I understand that. If you're a head coach on the free, free agent market, free, you know, that means that something didn't happen successfully, at least in the present, it's your old job, right? So nobody is going to let go of a coach that they are 100% sold on. That's just not going to happen. Or that's, that's damn near malpractice. But when you look at the coaches that are still on the board, Mike Vrabel is still on the board, who has a proven track record when you look at the history of the Tennessee Titans with Mike Vrabel and his extensive history under the Bill Belichick tree. He is still out there. Bill Belichick is still out there. I have been very vocal about how I feel about Bill Belichick and how I feel Bill Belichick got from where he was in New England to where he is now, out of a job. And I and I have been very vocal on how rigidness is the biggest hindrance to Bill Belichick as a coach. But I would be... I would be dumb to sit here and not acknowledge the fact that Bill Belichick is arguably the greatest head coach we have ever seen in the National Football League, who is still available. Pete Carroll is still available. I understand that he's older, obviously, than Dan Quinn, but Pete Carroll has found success every single place he's gone, whether that's USC or the Seahawks. And I understand that Dan Quinn... Was the defensive coordinator and obviously the Legion of Boom creator, whatever, of the Seahawks. That, of course, Pete Carroll was the head coach of. But Pete Carroll is still out there. And Mike McDonald, man, I don't understand. Like, that seemed like the perfect choice. Again, I'm also looking at the last time we've seen these people, right? The last time we saw Mike Mike Vrabel, the Tennessee Titans just beat the Jacksonville Jaguars stopping them preventing them from making it to the playoffs and I understand that you can look at the Tennessee Titans you can look at their record and say that is a direct correlation of Mike Vrabel but I'm also looking at a lot of the moves and a lot of the decisions that happened with Tennessee was out of Mike Vrabel's hands whether that was the GM's decision whether that was free agency whether that was injury a lot of the issues that this, the, the Tennessee Titans sustained was not Mike Vrabel's fault. In fact, Mike Vrabel, every single year it seems like he was a coach, <laughs> was considered one of the best coaches in football, even with the record that the Tennessee Titans have. So what I'm saying is this, man. I could be wrong. I don't mind coming in here and saying I'm wrong. I've done it on several occasions. I'm just a man talking about sports. <laughs> the most I've ever played is college basketball never I played football one year obviously um, so i'm not I'm just a guy expressing his feelings about sports, and obviously I could be wrong. Hell, I don't know what's going on with these front offices. I don't have connects like that. They could have gone to Mike Vrabel. They could have gone to Pete Carroll. They could have gone to um, Bill Belichick. And they said, no, I don't know. But what I do know is Dan Campbell is now the head coach of the Washington Commanders. And while you can look out look back and say well Dan Quinn has has had his hand in essentially three Super Bowl teams two with the Seattle Seahawks one with the Atlanta Falcons I can also say that he is one in two now yeah one of them obviously wasn't his fault it was decision making from Pete Carroll but And I can also say the last time we saw Dan Quinn, his team, especially defensively, wasn't looking too hot when the Green Bay Packers sliced them up like Swiss cheese in the playoffs at home, by the way, with Michael Parsons on that team and Deron Bland, two players that are in the defensive player of the year conversation. again I, I hope for the best I really do seeing as though this is my team but it uh it's I just I think the most, fr- the most frustrating part to me and I'm not gonna continue to harp on it the most frustrating part to me is i it it feels like the decision that they made now wasn't the right one and while I understand that Washington is entering into a new regime, well, obviously with the new owner and the new GM, which is a really good pick that they got from the GM, it just seems like this is a detrimental. I'm not going to say detrimental. Let me back up. This is a very important hire. On top of that, do you really trust Dan Quinn with the number two overall pick? Like, I don't think they people understand how important and how let's say influential this hire is for Washington, especially with that number two overall pick. Hell, you look at the you look at the um conference championship. You had three first round picks. And one obviously Mr. Irrelevant pick, Brock Purdy. Like, this is important if you get the right quarterback. And I don't know if I trust Dan Quinn with the (laughs) with the ability to pick the right one. Because trust and believe, if he does pick the right one, that quarterback more than likely will be there longer than Dan Quinn. But if he doesn't pick the right one, as we've seen with Sam Howell, as we've seen actually pretty much since Kurt Cousins and RG3, then it just continues to put the organization back. We'll just have to see, obviously. But I do think it's important, especially when you're you're embarking on something new in life to make the right decisions, because not only is it important to make those right decisions now, but it has such a either detrimental or influential part of your future. So shouts out to Dan. Quinn for becoming the Washington Commanders head coach. We'll just have to see. Ironically, last episode I talked about the 65 game threshold that the NBA and the NBA PA came up with and how it was going to affect the NBA award season, whether we talk about MVP or all NBA teams or all defensive teams, that is going to affect the, the 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 65 game threshold is going to affect that. And I talked about Joel Embiid and I talked about how important Joel Embiid was not only to the league, seeing as though he currently is the front runner for the MVP, but how I understand that the threshold was in part to minimize and completely erase load management but there needed to be there needs to be modifications because load management and injury is two completely different things you can't you can play hurt you can't play injured and that was the conversation we had last episode well unfortunately and ironically joellen b tears his menis- meniscus Just the game, actually, I think the game that night. And he's going to be out for the Philadelphia 76ers. Right now, it hasn't been determined, as I'm recording, it hasn't been determined how long he's supposed to be out. Some people are saying a couple weeks, some people are saying a couple months, some people can say season ending. I don't know yet. As I'm recording right now, that information hasn't come out but what has been confirmed is that there is a meniscus tear with Joel Embiid which is essentially he's going to miss at least longer than a week, at least longer than 2 weeks, meaning that his ineligibility, or he's pretty much going to be ineligible to win the MVP even if it is just 2 weeks. He would have he would have over or he would have overshot the threshold meaning that he will not be eligible even if he continues once he comes back from injury. If he comes back from injury, he will continue his run and possibly still put up MVP numbers. But because he's missed more than 65 games, which will be the case if he misses a week or two, which is kind of looks imminent at this point, he's not going to be eligible. Let me first talk about Joel Embiid, the person. And let me and when I mean the person, I mean the basketball player. Obviously, I don't know him personally. As unfortunate as it is, Joel Embiid is considered or has been considered an injury prone player. That's just He's been injured, I think, every single year for an extended amount of time. He's been injured every single year of his career. I think he missed the first – his rookie year he missed, I believe, because of – due to injury. And it just seems like he's just – I talk about that a lot. When you have a player as big as him and the frame, the way that he plays, and he kind of – he's a hybrid from – you know, the last decade type type centers and the new age centers. When I mean that is he is a very good offensive player. When we talk about mid range shots, when we talk about three point shots, putting the ball on the ground, he is great in that sense, but he also brings a level of physicality that you don't see in today's NBA, which is why I kind of harken back to he's kind of a hybrid of, you know, the yesteryear centers and today's centers. Well, that has been a gift and a curse for him because I mean he there's no way that you can score 70 points and not be talented. We know the talent that Joel Embiid brings. We know how talented of a player Joel Embiid is. That's something that cannot be, that cannot be, you know, denied. And on top of that. I think the thing that's most frustrating about Joel Embiid and the thing that's most frustrating about discussing Joel Embiid is every single time you have a conversation, we know how good, people know how good Joel Embiid is, but there's always an asterisk by his name because of the injuries. You see, man, I don't, I wanna see everyone be reach their their level of greatness that they can reach. I wanna see everyone be as good as they possibly can. I wanna see greatness out of everyone. But I will be I would be remiss in saying that Joel Embiid will always have until if he and I don't even think that this is possible, but if Joel Embiid is able to rectify and finally get over some of these injury humps, he has a chance to be an all-time great. He has the skill set for it. But the reason why a lot of people cannot call him an all-time great is because he continues to get hurt. and that's a lot of that's a that's a, another main reason why when you hear people talk about the 76ers this year there was always an ash there was always a wait and see approach when talking about them cuz we're seeing how good this team and Joel Embiid was playing again Joel Embiid is was the front runner for the MVP clear cut like there was no one even close and now he's hurt again. Now, I wish for a speedy recovery. Again, I I don't want to see anyone get hurt. I don't want to see anyone's career get dictated by injuries. So I, I wish nothing but the best for him. I wish nothing but a speedy recovery. And I wish that there is a point in time in his career where these injuries continue or these injuries are a thing of the past, but the reason why I don't know if it is is because it's not just the same thing that gets hurt. Like there it's it's a different thing. It's it's a it's a foot, it's a ankle, it's a knee, it's a back, it's a arm, it's a shoulder, it's a hand. It's always something different with Joel Embiid. You can be honest in saying that Joel Embiid is an injury-prone player, but that doesn't take away from the fact that he's still great. Hell, there's a lot of— Steph Curry was an injury-prone player. Until he got the ankles thing situated, he was an injury-prone player. Kevin Durant was an injury-prone player and actually has been an injury-prone player. Still great. Kevin Durant is still arguably a top 20 player in the league and actually in NBA history, but that doesn't take away from the fact that he has been injury-prone. I think the issue with or the difference, let's say, with Steph Curry, KD, and Joel Embiid is Steph Curry and KD has won things. KD is an NBA champ, two-time NBA champion, two-time NBA Finals MVP. Steph Curry is a four-time champion, one-time Finals MVP, two-time... MVP, one unanimous, undoubtedly the greatest shooter of all time. While Joel Embiid has the makeup and has the ability to be in that list of greatness. Yes, he has an MVP, but that's and scoring titles, but that's about it. And unfortunately, injuries continue to halt. And it just doesn't seem like, because a lot of these injuries are freak injuries. Like the injury the other night, the one the the meniscus, uh, the lateral meniscus tear. It, I think it happened when, you know, uh, Jonathan Kaminga went for went for a ball and landed on his landed on, Joel Embiid's knee. A lot of people can call it a reckless play. A lot of people call it, you know, someone hustling, diving for the ball. And that's another thing I want to talk about for a second. I think people forget. These players, these athletes, if you're an athlete listening. You are your own brand. You are your own business. You are your own entity. Your likeness is your best asset, as well as obviously your skill and everything. And on top of that, the organization that you possibly play for and the organization that these these players play for is their own thing. And what I mean by that is. Teams are going to do what's best for them they might be able to mask it as we're doing what's best for you but they're not they're at the at the end of the day a team is always going to do what's best for them first because at the end of the day the team 9 times out of 10 is going to be there longer than the player so it would be naive to think that a team is going to jeopardize their success for you the 76ers Joel b from like the f- the first tip of that game you can tell something was wrong like you can tell he was laboring and one thing that I know about injury seeing as though I've been hurt before is an injury if if it, if an injury goes undiagnosed or if an injury goes untreated It opens the floodgates and opens the door for more injury or a worse injury. You can tell that Joel Embiid wasn't, shouldn't have been out there. A lot of people gave him flack for not playing in Denver against Nicole Jokic. But you can tell, you can see the games after why he didn't play. Because he was not healthy. Hell, the 76ers was fine, what, 75K? Because they failed to report that Joel Embiid was injured. That's something that you have to do. And they failed to report that. They failed to report that because why? They wanted him to play. He probably wanted to play. But there are times when you have to save... A player from themselves. That's just, yeah. There's been multiple occasions where I wanted to play, but I couldn't. Like, there's been multiple times when I could barely walk, but it's just like, I want to be out there. But a team has to be like, nah. What I'm saying is, take care of yourself. I, I'm not saying at the detriment of your team or whatever. But take care, you always have to take care of yourself. Because there's a reason why it says team doctor. The team doctor is going to do what's best for the team before they do what's best for you. And if you don't believe me, I'm almost sure someone that plays for the Golden State Warriors cannot go to the Chicago Bulls team doctor. Like, wh- what would. Unless, obviously, they're playing against them. But what benefit would that be? You know? I wish nothing but a speedy recovery for Joel Embiid. I think that it's very unfortunate that... that I think it would be fortunate that, obviously, Joel Embiid doesn't miss the rest of the season. And he gives the 76ers the best shot of advancing deep in the playoffs, seeing as though they're one of the better teams in the East and essentially all the NBA, and with Joel Embiid, they're obviously a great team. You can argue that they are one of, if not the best team in the East. Come, come, come! You know, compared to like the Celtics or the Bucks or something, but without Joel Embiid. Even though Tyrese Maxey did have what 51 the other night, without Joel Embiid, there's no shot. No shot. That it's not like it. I don't think you understand. Like, um, I don't think you understand that you can't just replace. And in fact, let me see some. I gotta look. I'm gonna look up how much points Joel Embiid is averaging right now. You can't just replace 35 points a game. (laughs) Tyrese Maxey can't drop 51 every night. Like, you can't replace 35, 11, and 6. You can't just replace an MVP caliber player. So, yeah, players can step up, but ain't nobody stepping up to Joel Embiid's level, you know? So, I wish for a speedy recovery before anything. I hope that Joel Embiid is able to get back healthy, but I also understand without Joel Embiid, this team has no shot in making any type of noise in the playoffs. Um, And yeah, man, uh, players understand how important it is for you to... Do what's best for yourself. Obviously, you want to do it in the confines of a team, seeing as though you play a team sport. But at the end of the day, you you have to do what's best for you because a team is going to do what's best for the team before anything. So that should tell you that you should do what's the best for you. Even if that means you know you can't play, maybe you shouldn't play. Now, again, I'm not saying that the Joel Embiid injury – uh the meniscus tear was his fault again you can't you have a loose ball someone's diving on the ground they land on your knee you can't can't really uh prepare for that but just just be careful and it's very unfortunate it it sucks because again even if he does come back that means he's not going to be eligible for the mvp even even though he is currently the clear-cut MVP. It's unfortunate. And for people that are saying that's a a singular award, that's just a one-person award in a team sport, yeah, money's attached, bro. That's another thing that I think it's – the I mean, the players can't really blame anybody but themselves. I mean, because the NBA PA signed off it, which is the Players Association, they signed off of it and a lot of this obviously is because of players were you know using load man or teams and players were using loads management to like just crazily but you know there's money attached millions and millions of dollars so and that's with all awards like i was talking about uh Tyrese Halliburton making all NBA team making I don't know most improved player that is there's money attached to that and if he misses a few more games that he's ineligible for that which you know sucks so I wish nothing but a speedy recovery for Joel Embiid moving forward uh the we talked about last episode the all-star starters were announced and how I didn't think that there were any snubs of the starters outside of Jalen Brunson. I thought that Jalen Brunson was good enough to be a starter. And the conversation at hand last episode was essentially, if you're going to say someone is snubbed, that means that you have to be willing to take somebody out and who would you have been will, willing to take out? That, that is always a conversation that a lot of people forget and a lot of people don't understand. So for someone to be snubbed, you have to have the confidence to take somebody out that possibly could be deserving, you know? So, the, and that's why last episode, which I think that he deserves to be an all-star, I just didn't think that Damian Lillard played good enough this season to be an all-star starter. All-star, yes. All-star starter, no. But I will say that uh, Thursday, the All-Star Reserves were announced. Now, these obviously are the players that are coming off the bench in the reserves. So for the Western Conference, you had Devin Booker, Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, Anthony Edwards, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Carl Anthony Towns. For the Eastern Conference, you had Bam Adebayo, Pablo Van Carroll. Jalen Brown, Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Maxey, Donovan Mitchell, and Julius Randle. Now, I will say it again. I'm hearing, with this, with the announcement, I'm hearing, oh, so-and-so was snubbed. So-and-so was snubbed. So-and-so was snubbed. Okay. And I'm fine with people feeling how they feel. There's going. I'm going to extend the conversation and tell about or talk about some of the people I felt was snubbed but in turn you then have to be confident enough to say okay well if they were if they were going to make it who shouldn't have made it you know i'm going to go and you know jump off that hill and i'm going to say some of the people that i feel was snubbed and i feel uh i'm not going to say didn't deserve to make it but you know we'll, we'll talk about it let me first actually say congratulations to all the all-stars I'm not mad at either list. I'm not if if everyone was going to be able to play. Obviously we just talked about Joel Embiid who's an All-Star starter. He's more than likely not going to be able to play. Julius Randle, I know he had a uh, dislocated shoulder. I don't know if he's going to be able to play. Uh so obviously there are players that are on this list that probably won't be able to play, especially when we talk about the Eastern Conference. So, that's going to leave room, possibly, for a player that didn't make it um, to, 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 to be an alternate. Which, at the end of the day, people are like, well, you're an alternate. It is what it is. Yeah, at the, when you look my name up, it still says All-Star. It doesn't say All-Star alternate. It says Jalen Hunter All-Star, you know. Um, so, because of that, there are a couple players that I do think was snubbed. Now, I will, first, I will also say that I am not mad at this list. I'm not mad at anyone that may. I think that every single person was deserving of this, of, of an all-star nod. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of the chatter on social media was Paolo Bancaro and Carl anthony Towns. Carl anthony Towns has a 60, what, two-point game? And Carl anthony Towns is incredibly skilled. And I'm not upset that he made it. I I will say this, though. It kind of... Now, if there was a player in the Western Conference that I feel was snubbed, it is somebody on the Kings. I think it's crazy how the Kings are one of the best teams in the West, but they don't have one representative, whether that's De'Aaron Fox, whether that's Sabonis. I do think that at least one of them should have been considered for the All-Star. And if... There was someone to be to be taken off. <laughs> I'm laughing because if you know me, you know how fond I am of Paul George. And and I don't mean I mean that in Paul George is an incredible basketball player. I wouldn't be upset if Paul George was replaced by let's say Sabonis or replaced by De'Aaron Fox. I wouldn't be upset if Carl Anthony Towns was replaced by De'Aaron Fox or um, Sabonis. Seeing as though you already have the best player on the Timberwolves as a all-star, and that is Anthony Edwards. I think Anthony Edwards definitely deserves to be an all-star. And again, Paul George deserves to be an all-star seeing as how important he is to the Clippers, him and Kawhi Leonard, both of them are all-stars. But I do think that at least in the West, you have to have a King representing the seeing as though they're one the Kings are one of the best team. In fact, when we look at the standings, give me a second. When we look at the standings, the Kings are Fifth in the West, um you can kind of argue if jamal Jamal Murray from the Denver Nuggets should have been an all star but that that's a name that i can't I can't see anyone coming off this list for Jamal Murray. He's had an up and down season now yes the the nuggets are have have had a good season, but him in general. It's been up and down, but again, the only two snubs, I think like legit snubs that were in the, on the Western conference side is obviously, uh, Paul George and, um, Carl Anthony Towns. So I'm not really upset with that. I I get it. You know, I get it now. I would not take Paul George and Carl Anthony Towns off for Jamal Murray, but Hey, I would, you know, I wouldn't be upset. For the East, I only see one snub. Look, and and honestly, I th- unfortunately as it is, because I don't wish injury on anyone. It looks like that there is a possible opening for somebody, seeing as though Joel Embiid is hurt. But Trey Young, in my opinion, I understand that the Hawks aren't playing too well this year. But I think Trey Young has to be represented, or Trey Young is one of the better point guards in the Eastern Conference. I do think that if there was anyone that has to be put on this list as an alternate, seeing as though there looks like there will be one, it should be Trey Young. Trey Young has been, even though the Atlanta Hawks have been inconsistent this year, Trey Young has been very consistent. So I, uh, I understand, I. I I understand why he wasn't put, because a lot of people that say Paolo Bancaro shouldn't have been on obviously hasn't watched Magic games. I know that they were really hot to start the season, and they've cooled off tremendously, but Paolo Bancaro has still been incredible. So I'm not upset that Palo's on it. I, I think Jalen Brown definitely deserves to be on it. I think Jalen, again, I argued about Jalen Brunson being a starter. So I'm glad that he was at least a reserve. Tyrese Maxey, he's been incredible this year, uh, and definitely deserves to be one. Donovan Mitchell has been consistent as well. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not upset about it. Uh, and I do think that again, as unfortunate as it is, I don't wish injury upon anyone. Seeing as though Joel Embiid probably won't be in the All Star game. Uh, that means one of the starters are going to get moved to or one of the reserves are going to get moved to the starters, even though it's it's going to be a small lineup. I'm kind of hoping. Hmm, I don't know how they do that, because I would like Jalen Brunson to be a starter, but that's just that's going to be Giannis, Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard and Jason Tatum. That's a small lineup. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But if we talk about snubs in the Western Conference, I have either De'Aaron Fox or Sabonis. One of them, at least, I would hope represents. Uh, but I'm not. I'm not mad at anyone that made it. And for the East, I would say Trey Young. But you know, and as unfortunate as it is, Trey Young might be an alternate seeing though I don't think Joel Embiid will play. So we'll see. Speaking of list. And speaking of, you know what it is, bro, I'm about to put my, I haven't done this in a minute, I'm about to put my team building hat on. So, I think last week, Team USA, the pool for players, were announced. Now, this is such a, life is about cause and effect, you know. If if something that caught there's always a effect or there's always you know something causes something and there's always going to be an effect that's in life and that's also in sports team the 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 statement that we've heard these last few years is the world has caught up to the NBA or basketball as terms of you know talent and how the world has caught up to USA and basketball has always had a st- has always been a few steps ahead of the world in terms of basketball. But as we've seen the last few years, there is an um, there is an impression that the world has caught up. When we look at players like Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, you can argue or I, I understand the argument that uh The world has caught up to to the United States in terms of basketball. And when you look at the last few times, when we talk about Team USA and FIBA, the world has, I mean, the United States, I mean, last time time around, they didn't even medal in the FIBA. They didn't medal. So I get it. And my argument is the world has caught up to the B, C, D teams. You know, they've caught up to, gone are the days, and I talked about this with Team USA, gone are the days where you can just bring reserves. You know, there was a time when reserves can get the job done. But the world is too talented to just bring reserves. So in that sense, I do think that the world has caught up to our B, C team. But like I just talked about, there's a cause and there's an effect. Because the world, it and you can see it. Because the world has caught up to the B team, and because these last few times, um, the world has has had a poor showing in either FIBA or the or the Olympics. It, I think team, you know, think team USA wants to, you know, whether we talk about I forgot homie's name. I think Noah Lyles. I think the track star has a lot to say you, you just hear a lot of people are they're down let's say on team usa they think that team usa is i guess you could say at his weakest state and to combat that team usa says okay we i am going we are going to bring our best players now let's see if the world is actually caught up and obviously there is 12 slots on Team USA. And what I'm going to do, there is a pool of players. I will name them all. Now, obviously, all of them aren't going to make it, but there is a pool of players. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to build my my out of these out of the pool of players. I'm going to build the best team USA in the team USA that I think is going to represent the United States and let the world know that in fact it has not caught up to our A team so the pool the 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 team USA finalists is Bam Adebayo, Jared Allen, Paolo Bancaro, Desmond Bain, Scotty Barnes, Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, Jalen Brunson, Jalen Brown, Jimmy Butler, Alex Caruso, Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Anthony Edwards, Joel Embiid, De'Aaron Fox, Paul George, Aaron Gordon, Tyrese Halliburton, James Harden, Josh Hart, uh, Tyler Yuro, Drew Holiday, Chet Holmgren, Brandon Ingram, Kyrie Irving, Jaron Jackson Jr., LeBron James, Cam Johnson, Wes uh, Walker-Kessler, I'm sorry, Kawhi Leonard, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, Bobby Portis, Austin Reeves, Duncan Robinson, Jason Tatum, Derek White, and Trey Young. That's a lot of names <laughs> to say the least. What I'm going to do is I'm going to build my perfect 12 and I'm going to write them down or I'm going to type them just just to make sure. Um, actually, I already typed them, but uh, so here. It is. So there are locks, in my opinion, there are locks on this team that is obvious and I'm going to name the locks. I'm going to get those out the way. Mind you, there are 12. Spots. All right, one lock, and I'm not going to do it in Pacific order in Pacific order, but one lock is Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, uh, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard. I think those are the locks. I think that there are one, two, three, four, five, six, six locks. So if we're just building the team, you have Steph Curry at the point. I'll say you have – ooh, that's going to be a big team. But you have Steph Curry at the point. Oh, no, let's, let's not do all that. We have Steph, Anthony Davis, KD, Joel Embiid, LeBron James, and Kawhi Leonard. To me, those are locks. The second round of locks, in my opinion, is – I think Anthony Edwards has to be a lock. Seeing as though Anthony Edwards did represent last – or the – even though they didn't medal, they did represent the the medal. And, and Team USA always has that one young player. So I think Anthony Edwards is good enough to be on this team. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, in my opinion, I mean – current I know that I'm being current but he's leading the league in assist. Uh Tyrese has has been exponential uh in how good he's been so I think that he has to be in it. I think Devin Booker has to be in it as well. I think the Devin Booker has emerged as one of the best offensive players that we have in the league and on top of that uh he has been we remember when he played with Team USA, how great he was on the defense side of the ball. He really committed himself to the defense side of the ball. So that leaves two, no, one, two, three. That leaves three names. Right now we're at nine. What is so fascinating about this and what is unfortunate is they are going to be some great, great, great basketball Oh, shoot, I forgot one. Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum has to be a lock. So that's there's two more players. There's two more slots. Jason Tatum has to be a lock. He's one of the best players in the league. Jason Tatum's a lock. So that leaves. You have Steph Curry. I'm just I'm just gonna name names. You have Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Anthony Edwards, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Halliburton, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, I think Jason Tatum. And uh, who's the other name I said? I said Joella. Damn, I got to say it again. <laughs> uh, Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Anthony Edwards, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Halliburton, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Jason Tatum. Hmm. I forget. Well, all right. Um. Oh, and Devin Booker, and Devin Booker, she means at least two players. To me, I understand the controversy that's around them. I, I get it completely. I understand that people are going to be upset if he makes it or not. Cool. But you're talking about someone that won a FIBA, FIBA MVP. I think Kyrie Irving has to be on this list. Seeing as though he is, he gives a scoring punch that someone like a Tyrese Halliburton doesn't at the guard position. Um, and on a lesser, obviously, Steph Curry would be one. But you know, I think Kyrie Irving has to be on this list, which leaves one more player. And again, you can go a lot of places. You can go Paul George. You can go Damian Lillard. You can go Jimmy Butler. You can go. De'Aaron Fox, Jalen Brunson, it's going to be tough. But for me, I don't think, because FIBA play and because you have Joel Embiid and Anthony Davis, in my opinion, you don't really need a Bam Adebayo. I don't know if you're going to go three deep as far as um, centers. You have Kevin Durant and LeBron James. I don't think, oh, and Anthony Edwards, you don't really need to go three deep or four deep in uh, forwards. The guard, the point or shooting guards, or yeah, shooting gu- or guards, you have Steph Curry, Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, oh, you also have Jason Tatum, Devin Booker. I don't think, mm, who's going to be the last person? To me, it's between Damian Lillard or Paul George. Mm. I'm gonna go with Paul George. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Paul George, man. Damn, that's and and that's that's a decision I do not envy. Grant Hill's decision, uh, who obviously is the managing director of Team USA, or Steve Kerr, who's a head coach. I, I'm i that's gonna be tough but my 12 my 12 my final 12 I know I've said a bunch of li- my final 12 is Devin Booker Steph Curry Anthony Davis Damian Lillard no I'm sorry Anthony Davis Kevin Durant Anthony Edwards Joel Embiid Paul George Tyrese Halliburton Kyrie Irving LeBron James Kawhi Leonard and Jason Tatum. That's my list. Those are the names that I think will be representing Team USA, which is crazy because you got people like Donovan Mitchell, uh Damian Lillard, in my opinion, is gonna be left out. Uh James Harden. Mm, Jalen Brunson, Jalen Brown, Mikel Bridges. Whew, that's good. Palo Bancar, Jimmy Butler. I think that might be the hardest one to leave out. Oh, and Aaron Fox. Yeah, that's gonna be tough. It's gonna to be tough, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, let me. I'll, I'll probably clip this up in and put it out. Let me know what you guys think. And uh, yeah, we're not. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. And there you have it, man. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. Again, man, this is episode 400, bro. I don't know if people know this, but statistically, a podcast does not last longer than three episodes. Now, people are saying, God damn, three episodes like that can't be right. It is right. And I'm going to tell you why it's right there's a lot of factors that go into that stat i think the overarching factor is people don't understand how difficult this is people don't understand how difficult it is not only to come in here and speak people don't understand how difficult it is to speak you know but people don't understand especially when you're a one-man band they don't understand how difficult it is seeing as though how much time this takes people don't understand how prepared you have to be and how you have to be able to especially if you're a one-person podcast it's a little easier not saying that it's tremendously easier but it's a little easier if you have a group or if you have you know, like a host and a co-host or just two people. If you're one person, you have to be able to navigate through topics and you have to be able to make sure that you can hit what you want to hit when you want to hit them. It is very challenging to come in here and talk for an hour or talk for an hour and a half or damn near for some times that I've done, talk for two hours just to a camera. That's tough people don't understand that it is a commitment doing a podcast is a commitment i understand like when you hear oh he's a podcaster that's that's kind of met with eye rolls because you know the saying is everyone and their mama has a podcast which is true if you want a podcast do your thing but i also understand and you also have to understand that it's not going to be peaches and cream people also don't understand that unless you have a following going into podcasting it's very hard to develop a following. Again, this is episode 400 for me. And I am just scratching the surface. I just got to a thousand, and I've been doing this what since 2019. I just hit a thousand subscribers. I'm at a thousand two hundred something subscribers on YouTube. So obviously it's a slow grind. So i I understand when, when you he, people that are outside looking in that hear the stat that you know a a, na, a normal podcast only lasts three episodes, if you're in podcasting, you understand it. So that's pretty much me in a nutshell saying that it it took a lot to get here and that I appreciate everyone, everyone that has been on this journey with me, that continues to support, that continues to listen, that continues to watch, that comments <laughs> when they think that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about or when they want to put their point of view out there. If I want to appreciate everyone. I appreciate the people that have given me kind words, people that have given me suggestions on how to grow the podcast. People, hell, pe- even the negative comments, man. I don't, I don't like them, obviously, but you taking time out of your day to leave a negative comment, which I don't understand why you would do that, but you're doing it. it. means that there was something that I said that triggered you, which means that you're listening, which I appreciate. Um, 400 episodes is big. Not a lot of people make it to 400, obviously. Especially when you're a one man band and you're a single talent podcast. A lot of people don't make it. Um so i and I would not have made, even though I do say that I'm making this for audience of one which I am, I'm making it for myself. I appreciate every single person that has caught a whiff, I guess you can say of this and liked it enough to keep coming and keep listening and and keep supporting it means the world to me, uh four hundred episodes, man, that's damn, just listening to that. never thought I'd get here at all, but hey i appreciate you guys man and until next time actually no i didn't even do that i didn't even do this stuff uh if you want a popular podcast shirt hoodie sweater long sleeve jogger the link is in the description below i have multiple different colors multiple different designs get your unpopular podcast merch today also again we're at 400 episodes please subscribe to the youtube i'm trying to get as many followers as i can and it means a lot. So tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend, subscribe. Also, if you listen to the DSPs, if you're one of my audience that only listened, I appreciate you guys as well. Please follow whatever platform you listen, whether that's SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Please follow. It means so much to me. And follow the socials. You know, follow Instagram. Follow TikTok. Uh, I post reels. I post stories. I post posts every day. Uh, a lot of times multiple times a day so you know we can debate it out we can talk about it you can agree with me you cannot agree that's probably the the quickest place socials is to get to me again if you keep it respectful i'll respond i have no problem doing that but again i truly truly appreciate you guys Uh, and until next time much love